Verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. The sermon is entitled, Going Both Miles. Let's pray together. Father, as we come today, help us show the world that we follow you as your disciples, not just by doing a little extra, by, by how we treat those who persecute us, but by doing more for those that demand a little bit from us. Because if we only love our friends and neighbors, how do we distinguish ourselves? What makes us any different? So help us love those who don't love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in this list of commands that Jesus has given in Matthew chapter 5, which is the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, is this one command that people have taken over the years, over centuries, out of context, and used it to, to mean all kinds of things. You've heard people say, going the second mile, going the second mile, and people talk about that and do that all the time. Um, we interpret it to mean well, just like going above and beyond the call of duty, doing a little extra, offering more than what's expected. And that's good. It's good to do that. But this passage, I think, means even more than that. If you, if you do more than what's expected, if you go above and beyond the call of duty in the secular world, you might get recognized, you might get affirmed, you might even get a medal or something. But if you go above and beyond the call of duty for the kingdom... You're only doing what's commanded. It's only what's commanded that you're doing. And so we need to develop this mentality, this attitude, that when people ask us to do something, we don't do just enough to get by. We don't do just enough to, to make somebody satisfied. But we're willing to do more than expected, especially not just for our friends, but especially for our enemies. Because Jesus says there are two ways of doing things. You can, get just, you can do just enough to get by and be resentful while doing it, or you can do a little extra with a smile, with graciousness, doing more than is expected. In a, in a gracious spirit, you can do more than what's expected. And that's what Jesus tells us to do here. And let me just say this. I, you know, I think you are people who've already gone the second mile, because let's face it, here you are on Sunday morning at 8.30 in the sanctuary. Um, you're, you're good people. You know, you, you, you belong to the church, you serve, you're in here on Sunday morning, you're doing what you think God wants you to do to the best of your ability. So as, as far as we know it, we're trying to obey this command. But let me challenge you here this morning with a little bit more with what Jesus, I think, is trying to communicate to us today. And I've got it broken down in three aspects. The first mile is our obligation. The second mile is our opportunity. And uh, the only way to do the second mile is by surrendering to God's will, to his purpose for us. Because I don't think you can do any of this apart from God and apart from the strength that he gives us. And if you find yourself growing weary, it's probably because you're trying to do it all under your own power. So let's back up to the first mile of obligation. And let's not take that for granted because you have to do the first mile before you do anything else. 
You have to have a foundation to build upon. It would be easy to jump over the first mile and get to the second mile of, of uh, opportunity to get to the second mile of recognition because the first mile is just drudgery. The first mile is just doing what's expected. The first mile you get burned out on. And so we tend to jump over that and get to the second one where we get some attaboys and somebody pats you on the back because you're doing a little extra. But let's go back to the first mile. Let me tell you a story I heard of a guy, thankfully in another church. Not really. <laughs> um, the church was having a revival. It was a spring revival. And after the first service, this gentleman came up to the evangelist and he had all these grandiose plans. He said, I'm so glad you're here. Our church needs a revival so much. I've planned prayer meetings every morning at 6 a.m. I have uh, scheduled meetings with you in the local schools and the PTA and the civic clubs. Um, I've got all these things organized. We're going to, to visit. We're going to pray. We're going to do all this extra. And the evangelist is kind of sitting there, you know, I'm here to serve. Okay. But thankfully, the pastor pulled the evangelist aside and said, I need to fill you in on something. This guy gets so excited about going the second mile. He'll, he'll, he'll go visiting, you know, a mile, you know, miles and miles away. He'll go to special worship services in other counties. He will organize um, mission trips to other countries. But guess what? He can't be counted on to be faithful here in church on Sunday mornings. He doesn't support the church financially. He doesn't do anything that a, a member of this church needs to do for our church to, to survive. He only gets excited when there's something special happening. But basically, he's not a, a faithful member of the church. He'll run the second mile, but you can't even get him to crawl the first mile. And that's the way it is. We need church members who are willing to roll up their sleeves and go to work and do the drudgery of the first mile. To do what we have to do to, to function, to be the body of Christ, to reach people right here in Tifton for Jesus. We need to do all that in the first mile to get it taken care of, to get the the foundation laid so that from that we can begin to branch out. Why do we skip the first mile? Well, it can be tiresome. It can be difficult. There is very little recognition. There is very little glory for doing the first mile. It can be hard work with no glory, no recognition at all. And yet that's the foundation that the church has to rest upon. And it's not just true in the church, it can be true in the family. Somebody, uh, you know, will, will complain in the family and they'll want to do something special without really doing the underpinnings of the family unit that are important to keep the family together. It can be true at work. You might find somebody who will, who will do an extra job in order to get recognition or a bonus or a raise, but they aren't good at doing the, the things that keep the business running day in and day out. It can be true in so many different areas of life. So Jesus calls us to go the second mile 
but not before we've gone the first mile. The first mile is crucial. We've got to be faithful in little before we can attempt the much. You see what I'm saying? You've got to be faithful in the little before you even attempt the much. And so, our, like when, when John and our nominating committee are getting to work and they're recruiting people for Sunday school classes, when Gary's getting to work and recruiting people for children's choirs and activities, and, and uh, Marsha and Shelby are, are getting to work and recruiting people for extension and, and for uh, children's Sunday school and all those responsibilities that are necessary. I mean, they should not have to call and beg. They sh there, sh there should be a waiting list of people who are ready and waiting to serve in any area that's required, any area that's necessary, because they're willing to go the first mile of obligation for the kingdom. That's the first mile. But let's not stop there. Let's go to the second mile, which is our opportunity. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. You, you know the history behind this, don't you? The history behind this saying that Rome occupied ancient Palestine. Rome was the hated enemy. And the Jews despised everything Roman. But as the occupying army, Roman soldiers had the privilege of forcing somebody, some Jewish person, to carry their baggage for a mile. That was a given. If a Roman soldier came and asked you to carry my backpack, my, my weapons for a mile as a Jew, you had to do it. And so what all the Jewish boys had done is what it was said is they had laid out a radius of one mile from their house in every direction. They had mile markers from their home. So if, if a soldier came and, and forced them to go and carry their luggage, their backpack, their whatever for one mile, there would be a marker one mile down the road where the Jew could drop it and say, this is it, and no further. And I guess the soldier would find somebody else and, and get them to go one mile from their home. So that was, that was a tradition that was in the background of this passage. One mile, not a step further. And so Jesus comes and says, if a soldier comes and forces you to go one mile, don't drop the backpack at your one-mile marker. Keep going. Keep doing what he asks you to do. Because that's what is going to distinguish you as a follower of Jesus. That's what's going to set you apart from everyone else. But the problem, even with the second mile, is if we try to do it under our own power. It's an opportunity. There is some recognition. There is some some glory involved in it. And we love affirmation. We love people patting us on our backs and saying, man, you didn't just do what I asked you to do, you did that and even more. We like that kind of, of recognition and that affirmation. But you gotta look at the context because that is what is crucial here. Jesus is, is not saying, if your friend asks you sweetly to go one mile, Smile and say, I'll go a second mile. If somebody is nice to you and, and, and is very nice and kind, says, would you please help me? Don't just help them. Do a little extra. Jesus is saying so much more here because the context is how we respond to our enemies 
It's how we respond to those who hate us. Jesus isn't just talking about unexpected acts of kindness. He's talking about doing the second mile for your enemy, for those who despise you. When you go the second mile and and you're being made fun of, when you go the second mile and they humiliate you for it, when you know you're being taken advantage of, do it anyway. Do it anyway. Jesus says, if they force you to go one mile, it's not if they ask you kindly to go one mile. If he force, if the situation is someone twists your arm and makes you do something that you don't want to do, don't only do it, but do more. Do more. And it's not, you know, to try to impress them. It's just because God, God tells us through Jesus here, to, he commands us to do it. You know, there's an old saying that no good deed goes unpunished. And that might be what Jesus is saying here. Even if you're going to be punished for doing the extra, when it's going to cost you more time and money and energy and resources for someone, for a situation, for something you don't even like, do it anyway. You know, it's easier to go the second mile when it's appreciated, but it's a lot more difficult when it's humiliating. And that's what Jesus, if you only love those who love you, what reward have you? If you only do this for those who appreciate you, what reward have you? You might have an earthly reward, but it won't be a heavenly one. He says, if you only do that for those who love you, you're no different from non-Christians. You're no different. And this is one way, one more way that Jesus gives you here to distinguish yourself as a follower of his. Doing something more, going the second mile for an enemy. That's the context, and that's what we've lost sight of in our society today. Because we only talk about going the second mile when it's a for a friend or when it's easy. Jesus says, do it for an enemy. Do it when it's hard. Do it when they're making fun of you. Do it when it's humiliating. Jesus is holding the standard up and proclaiming the absolute demand of God on our lives as his followers. Now, we already have a pretty good opinion of our high moral fiber and character, our our upright lives, moral lives, but Jesus is talking about the kind of second mile here that we cannot do in our own power. He's talking about the kind of second mile that requires his help because he wants us to learn to depend on him. He wants us to learn how to to live in this world attached to him with his power and his spirit flowing through us and empowering us and able to do those things that we could have never done humanly, humanly possible in our own strength and resources. You remember the name Corey Ten Boom? from World War, um, World War II, uh, her family um, taken prisoners in, in Nazi concentration camps. After the war, Corey Ten Boom became a, a famous Christian and a, and a noted speaker and, and very popular evangelist. And she was preaching one day in Munich, in a church in Munich, after the war. And she looked up in the audience 
and she saw seated in the audience was a guard from one of the prison camps where four members of her family had been executed in a shower, gas chamber. He was a guard in that gas chamber. After the service, he came up to Corey Ten Boom and said, please forgive me. I have become a follower of Christ after the war and I know what I did was terribly wrong and I've asked God to forgive me and he has and now I'm asking you to forgive me. Corey Ten Boom saw in his face the, the pangs of her little sister as she was being dragged into the gas chamber and at that moment she could not forgive him and that brings me to the third point. She prayed. And in the prayer, asking God to help her, knowing that this was something she needed to do, but in her own strength and power, she couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. Here's a man responsible, personally responsible for the death of four of her beloved family members. And in the prayer, she felt God's peace coming into her, and she found the strength to forgive. She could have never done that on her own. She could have never done that by herself. But in that prayer, she found the strength to forgive. Long-distance runners, where's Gary? Talk about getting a second wind. I have never run that far. <laughs> but even running a marathon, 26 miles, they say, what, about halfway, 13, 14 miles? You kind of you get a second, 15? Depends on the distance. You kind of get a second wind, and when you're out of air and your legs are aching and your lungs are, you know, are heaving and you don't feel like you can go another step, something happens, and it's... What is it? Something happens and, and all of a sudden the running becomes a little bit easier and your legs become a little bit stronger and, and you get this second wind and you feel like you can go a little bit further. I think about that sometimes when I think about needing God to come into my life and give me a second wind to do what I can't do in my own strength and under my own power. There's a, there's a verse in John 20. Verse 22, Jesus has been resurrected and he comes into the upper room where the disciples are praying, the doors are shut for fear of the Jews, and he comes in and stands among them and says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And listen to this, he said, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's it. You remember when God created man, he breathed in his nostrils and gave him the breath of life. And when Jesus came into the upper room, he said, peace be with you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And in that, followers of Jesus Christ, not just these 12 in the upper room, 
But all followers of Jesus are breathed on by him and have the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. It's the second wind. And it enables us to do things that we could never do in our own power and strength and resources. We could barely go one mile by ourselves. But he can give us a spiritual second wind that lifts us up and enables us to do what we can't do. The reality is that we can only go the second mile through the power of the Holy Spirit, especially when it's in the face of an enemy, especially when being forced to do it by someone who's making fun of us. We've got to surrender to God's will, surrender to Him, and allow Him to come in and do it through us. That's the only way. And I think that's why Jesus is telling us to go the second mile is because he knows we can't do it by ourselves. He knows we have to depend on him, and that's what he's trying to teach us. That's what he's trying to help us to do. Go the second mile. By the way, I know you won't be able to do this by yourself, but I have resources available that I want you to learn to depend on. I want you to become dependent upon me. And this is one way of making that happen. And so go the second mile. Turn to me, and I will enable you with the second wind of the Holy Spirit to do it. And so for us to be the church, we have to go the first mile of obligation. We have to take care of the nuts and bolts of being the church. Because if we just have a church full of people doing the second mile, then the church will collapse but we got to take care of business on the first mile and do the things that are underneath, behind the scenes, that don't get a lot of praise and recognition, changing diapers in the nursery, rocking babies who are, who are crying, um, picking up trash, teaching eight-year-old boys Sunday school. Wow. All those things that aren't at the top of the list are things that people want to do but nevertheless have to be done. For us to be the church, that's the first mile. But don't stop there. Jesus says, take the second mile. Realizing all the while that we can't do it by ourselves. But he's teaching us dependence. He's teaching us to count on him. And we will find him faithful. And we will find him available. You know, I look out across this morning, and I know some of y'all are facing some difficult situations. I don't know if it's at work. I don't know if it's in your family. I don't know if it's here in church. There's some challenges that we all face from time to time. Don't try to do it by yourself. Don't try to do it under your own power. Go the second mile with God's help. And he will supply the second wind and teach you how faithful he can be when you depend on him. Let's bow together. Father, as we come together today, all of us have challenges and struggles and, and difficulties. Nobody's life is always a rose garden.
And so we're tempted just to skip the hard part and just do the easy part that, that gets all the recognition that's out in front. But we've got to take care of business too. We've got to take care of the foundation in our homes, at work, at church, at school. We've got to take care of those things that, that no one else really wants to do. Because apart from that, what, does, what is there to build on? There can be no second mile if there's not a first mile. And so help us be faithful in the least, but not stop there. Roll up our sleeves and face the mountain that is in front of us and immediately look up and say, God, I can't do this by myself. It is humanly impossible to go the second mile in this situation because it's not popular and it's not easy. And so I need you, God, to help me. Send your Holy Spirit to flow into me and flow through me and enable me to do what I don't want to do and I can't do all alone. God, you take over and you do it through me. And you get all the glory and all the praise for you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.